And we are back moments after our discussion of light and shadows uh, to come to you once again on Starfleet, where we have a casual and informal conversation about Star Trek. Uh, today, we're focused on Star Trek Discovery's latest episode, which just aired on Thursday night called If Memory Serves. And Fathery, as promised, you get to give the... Uh, so go for it. I'm pulling my notes up now. <laughs> if you want to uh, to vamp for a little bit, and then I'll I'll jump into well, the summary. I just want to, since this is an isolated video, I want to thank you, gentlemen, again for joining me. We're joined here by PJ3 and Sean, uh, respectively, PJ's channel. Uh, PJ, I, I'll ask you offline, but I, I was following a different PJ, I think, and thought it was you <laughs> until you told me about PJ's channel, and then I was like, on oh, Twitter or on YouTube, <laughs> on YouTube, <laughs> really oh, weird. Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah. There's a few channels called There's a few channels called PJ's channel. So the whole time I was like, God, that guy doesn't post any videos. And then I looked at your real channel and I was like, oh. <laughs> so that was a mistake on my part. But the real the true link will be in the description below. And then Fathery from Text Track. Uh, howdy, howdy. Back and joining us. howdy, howdy. And of course, Sean from Trek on the Tube, who we've established, aka hello. as Daddy on the Tube. So, hello, Daddy. <laughs> 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 All right. So, are you ready yet, Father? Did I, uh, did I just, did I uh, wax enough? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was good. So, um, All right. I'll just go ahead and jump into the Summary of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 8, I believe, right? If yep. memory serves. If memory serves, it is so, Episode 8. Are you, it's an opportunity there. <laughs> anyways, go on, sorry. <laughs> so the episode opens with a really awesome recap of uh, Star Trek, the original series, The Cage. And uh, for all the people out there who... For a long time, we're saying that Star Trek Discovery is contractually not allowed to be in the same timeline as the previous Star Trek shows. <laughs> uh, so it, it turns out that this is like a PG-13 YouTube channel, yeah. so I can't, I can't say yeah. like my, my true You can drop one. You're but, allowed to drop one, I think, one or two F-bombs, and then you can say the B word as much as you want. Um, well, they, yeah, all those people, all those dishonest assholes on the internet can go fuck themselves <laughs> because Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery is totally in the same freaking, I'll, I'll say freaking like Tilly, the same freaking timeline as, as the cage <laughs> and the menagerie as established in the opening of this episode. But they, they basically explained to us that in, in case you missed those, those episodes, they explained to us that. Captain Pike and Spock and number one, the Enterprise crew, had visited this world of Talos IV where they, they beamed down and they met uh, this beautiful woman, Vina, who is, it turns out, the prisoner of the Talosians, these big brain, butthead-looking aliens that wear metal gowns with like these cool little medallion bling necklaces they got on. And they attempt to take Captain Pike as a prisoner to be the Adam to Vena's Eve and repopulate their planet with a race of humans. They offer him a life in their menagerie where he would be able to live out any fantasy they could telepathically create for him. Uh, however, he says a cage is no place for him. 
he wants to leave the planet. He offers to take Vina with him, but she is actually, uh, I, I use the term fugly on text track to describe her actual oh, appearance. Oh. Her beauty was a, was a Telosian illusion. So she stays She's behind. like messed up and she yeah. needs them to survive. She can't live outside. Yeah, of we'll be back us. after the episode summary. Just two go, go. Okay. <laughs> so then we have, we, have... She, we can skip the summary. God damn it. No, well, he's, he's seen the episode. But, <laughs> no, he's um, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Then we have uh, section thirty-one back in the the modern modern day of, of Star Trek Discovery, picking up where last episode left off. They're still hunting for Michael Burnham and Spock. The two siblings arrive at their destination of, of Talos Four, the planet that Spock <laughs> visited previously on Star Trek on the Cage. Um, and they meet Vina there. She's still on the planet. Um, she takes them down underground to meet the Telosians, and they promise to get all of Spock's marbles back in alignment for a price. They want to uh, relive Burnham and Spock's childhood and explore their memories, because that's what Telosians do. And luckily for the audience, we also get to go on this telepathic journey and unearth some backstory on these characters. Um, we get all these flashbacks. Uh, we see Spock as a child visited by the Red Angel on the night that Michael ran away from home. Uh, we learned that the Angel did, in fact, reveal her location to Spock, and that's how they were able to save her as a kid when she was running off through the, the forest. Um, she was trying to uh, escape her home so that the Vulcan logic extremists that tried to blow her up at her school like wouldn't attack her family. Um, we also see some stuff of, of Spock uh, just a few months earlier I guess when he was serving on the Enterprise, the Red Angel had returned to him and, and led him to this snowy ice world where Spock attempted to, to mind meld with the Red Angel because that's what Spock loves to do. He'll mind meld with anything weird and dangerous. You know, V'ger, uh, uh Nomad, the Horda, the Red Angel. And he this just loves this, doing that shit. And this time it scrambles his mind. He loves it. <laughs> yeah, this, this mind meld does uh, show to him a, a vision of of the galaxy having all life wiped out of these, these high tech weapons, devastating planets, um, including earth. So Spock checks himself into the psychiatric ward at Starbase five that we knew about. And uh, there he, he made his escape. He didn't actually kill anyone though. He just used the Vulcan neck pinch, but he escaped because he knew uh, section 31 was coming to question him about the red burst after the, the red burst he predicted that he'd been drawing after they actually happened at the beginning of season two. So that's when he went on the run. And we also see the pivotal moment in Burnham and Spock's past when their relationship took a turn for the worst at the, the moment that had been hinted at before when Burnham intentionally hurt Spock so that he would stop following his big sister around uh, when, when Burnham, uh, said to him that he he has no place in her life that he is a freak he's this weird vulcan half-breed he can never understand what it is to be a human or to have human emotion and uh just devastated little kid spock and and he's been carrying this grudge against michael burnham ever since then and uh we also have a bunch of stuff happening on on the ship back on the discovery we have dr colber is still getting used to being back am amongst the living he doesn't feel like his old self. In fact, uh, he says he's not really feeling mun much at all, except this anger at Tyler, uh, the man who killed him and is responsible for him 
having these these feelings of being an incomplete person. So Colbert goes to the mess hall and starts a fight with Tyler. Um, he also like appears to break up with Stamets. Um, also on the ship, uh, Pike is ch uh, just chilling in his office, and he gets like this vision of his old flame, Vina. And uh, she says that the Telosians are trying to reach out to him, that they can briefly make contact across the stars and, and communicate with them. That uh, Bertelman and Spock are there. They need to talk to him. So, so Pike gets to talk to his, his Enterprise science officer, Spock. Spock says, there is a major threat to all life, and you need to come to the Talos 4 and pick us up because this is a big deal. We have to address it. So Pike hauls ass to Talos 4, and Section 31 is right behind them. They, they get there at the same time because they also want Spock. They get in like a transporter competition of trying to beam up <laughs> Spock and, and burn them. They, they both have a transporter lock, and, and Leyland tells Pike, if, if you don't release your transporter lock, we're going to rip these people apart atom by atom. So just back off and let me have them. So uh, Pike appears to do so. And then we have Burnham and Spock appear on the Section 31 ship. Or or do we? No, it's actually a Telosian illusion distracting them while the real Burnham and the real Spock pilot their shuttle back to the Discovery. And Pike has them on board. He he welcomes Spock, who gives him a, a smile that we've only seen him do before when he's playing with a blue humming plant. So maybe maybe Vulcans just smile when they get to serve under Captain Pike because he's that good of a captain. But, <laughs> but but Spock does tell him that yeah, there's this massive threat to all life in the galaxy that the, the Red Angel has unveiled to him. We get confirmation the Red Angel is a human. It's a female. We don't know anything else. Uh, but there is going to be this this massive extinction level event in the future. And so the Discovery has to go rogue to uh, in, investigate and pursue this mystery. And that's, that's the end of the episode. Well done. Well done. Uh, <laughs> my biggest thing about this episode is I'm still, um, I'm still unpacking a lot of the information that came out of this, so I don't know how I'll feel about this later on. But the biggest thing that uh, my biggest takeaway is that, like, this concept of like, what if, what we, what if, what Star Trek does, like the 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 story, like kind of like the question is like someone who was supposed to die is is now alive, and that's Burton, because human, whoever this human time traveler is, that is the Red Angel. We don't know this yet, but from their perspective, Burnham was supposed to die when she like left the Vulcan, you know, the, her home. And she actually, so the angel, she, he, the angel comes back and uh, convinces Spock to stop that from happening. So there was a established timeline from the perspective of wherever the angel comes from, where Burnham died, that no longer happens. Um, and just revisiting some of the other things, the the red angel changes an event in World War Three that we know of, uh, changes the course of Kaminar. I can't see where it's all going, but I'm really curious and it's like, pretty exciting and it explains so many so many in my opinion of the incongruities in star trek discovery and helps me to kind of like be like okay i can like understand this because there's something there's definitely something wrong something's rotten in the state of of, of, of the timelines and it's all going to be corrected of course by tos but <laughs> what 
I'm I'm not sure if they're gonna do like a big timeline alteration story. In in fact, I I, I kind of don't want them to do that because we just did that with the the Kelvin movies. But uh, just the the actual content of this episode, <laughs> I, I I loved it. This is my favorite episode of Star Trek Discovery. This is the show becoming the show I hoped it would be when they first announced they were doing this prequel series to the original series set ten years before. I wanted to see things like. Oh yeah, we can revisit all of this TOS stuff that they haven't touched on since the '60s. Things like Talos Four. Uh, this this is the, pretty much the show I, I hoped for. I, like I, I still in love, the gaps. Yeah, I, I still love Pike. He's still like one of the greatest captains we've we've had. I I, I think uh, after the season of Discovery, he might become my second favorite captain. Uh, with with the emissary, of course, being number one. I'm a big DS9 fan. That's good. Yeah, I love I love, well, I and, love this, this show, and this but, version. This version of Pike, which is the continuation of like the original series Pike, the Cage Pike, is delightful because in the Kelvin timeline, we don't get Vina, we don't get Talos, none of that happens to Pike, and he dies. <laughs> like he just kind of like you know like so so he this gets is a like much the- worse ending because he just gets like yeah. shot up by Khan, and then I guess like Pike, I'm I'm sorry, I guess Spock like mind melds with him and takes his Katra, but. Right. The uh, Discovery Pike, we know that the end of his story is he gets to live uh, with with Vina on Talos Four, and sp- just spend the rest of his existence with this this beautiful woman. So he, this he, episode gave me the most feels because of that, like because of the connection to the you know the uh, the uh, cage and and the menagerie. And we also finally get to see Ethan Peck as Spock. We've been waiting all season for it. And I, I didn't mind waiting for Spock because I wasn't sure if I was going to take to to Ethan Peck. But uh, this episode really sold me on him. And, and they're obviously doing like a little bit different version of Spock. Um, the, the beard is kind of like a visual reminder that this isn't quite the Spock of the original series. This is a guy who's going to become that. But I can I can see myself liking this take on Spock more than than Zachary Quinto, and it's not really fair to make that comparison. But uh, I, I I'm definitely on board with with Ethan Peck. Me too, hundred percent. He's a lot less different than I thought he was going to be. I mean, he he embodies the role perfectly. You you can imagine that this is Spock in this particular situation, and he and even though you know he's kind of like all over the place in the last episode. When he finally starts debating with going, doing that back and forth between him and Michael, yeah, that's classic. Really that's classic writing. Spock. The 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 way they wrote the Spock dialogue, it felt like how they wrote for Spock in the sixties. Yeah, like there's a certain uh, elegance to how he speaks, and everything is like so direct, and it's almost it's almost poetic in just how how direct his 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 language is chosen like he like he's so st- to the point and and the way that the way that he can um talk about some of the things like like the little speech he gives to burnham about how his foundations have just been shattered he he, he he's been betrayed by time and logic and emotion and and now he has like nothing to build a, a, a foundation upon or all that little like snippy stuff he tells Burnham I, about. I how wrote that. Is. I wrote that quote down. I have nothing to build upon, but I, but build I must, which is such a Spock thing. I know it sounds like the original series. Right. It was very cool. 
like a lot of the a lot of the things he would say to her that that was kind of throwing shade it reminded me of how Spock would talk to Dr. McCoy. <laughs> yeah. When he's like, yes. you know, it was like it was foolish to idolize you and don't don't try to psychoanalyze me. Greater minds than yours have tried and failed. And just like like the way that he's kind of like an asshole with those insults. That was how Spock behaved on the original what? series. I like when Burnham yeah, says, uh uh what does she say? I am I sure Am I a fool to be offended? And he goes, agreed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just very, it was actually pretty funny. I laughed at some point. I didn't expect to laugh at Spock, but I did uh, like one or two times. But she gets him back when she says, uh, when he says, uh, do you have any, what was it? Do you have, Rele any, do you have any relevant questions? questions? Yeah, relevant questions in your arsenal. And she yeah. says, yeah, do, do you actually think the beard is working? Mm. I like that. I laughed at that. I, I went, ha. <laughs> ha. 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 Got him. That's funny. Um, I'm gonna uh, skip okay. ahead, I'm but gonna, there's uh, a detail that I noticed in the rewatch I, that. I, oh, sorry. I know you want to talk, but I have to just. I'm just get this yeah, out. Go ahead. Go. I was gonna say there's like detail. Like looks like looks there's like a detail Sean's that I noticed in me. the rewatch when when the discovery is speeding towards Talos and and it's being chased by the um the section 31 ship at warp uh both of them were tilted at the angle that you have in the original series in the opening credits like if you notice the enterprise comes at you kind of like at this angle and like that's how they were both tilted in that scene and I really love just like whoever decided to do that like it was like a uh, like it gave me feels because i was like hey like that feels like that era like maybe ships kind of at those speeds kind of tilt naturally into this like you know posture or whatever so it was cool it also Sorry. felt like a scene from into darkness where the <laughs> section 31 ship is chasing it did it did yeah, remind me of that scene as well it, yeah. it looked a lot like that yeah but those ships weren't tilted they were they were going straight <laughs> yeah, jj should have tilted his ships his ships it's true Anyways, go on. Sorry, <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, it looks like it looks like Sean might be disagreeing with all the yeah, enthusiasm. Sean wants to say. Something. I know. I feel like the like I feel like the black sheep here. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed by Ethan Peck's performance, like just the acting of it. But I, I'm not, I'm not sold on Spock yet because I, I if 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 no one had told me it was Spock, I wouldn't know it was Spock. I mean, I could I couldn't have guessed it. What you, you guys say he's You're written like control. Spock. I say he's not written like Spock. He's just written like a Vulcan. Because Topol's written the same way, Tuvok's written the same way. Every time there's a Vulcan on screen, they're the same thing. They've got this condescending assholeness <laughs> to them. But that's like what Spock was in the original series. That, that set yeah. the the um, the precedent for Vulcans to be written like that later. I know. I do agree. It's just that this could be any Vulcan t t for me at this point. Mm. It doesn't necessarily need to be I, like I know it's Spock because they told me, but I wouldn't. I would never like. Chris Pine, the moment he's on screen in the Kelvin timeline, even if you don't, even if no one said it was Kirk, you'd know it was Kirk. But this is different. I, I don't, I don't feel the Spock so much. I, I just, I, I can't I wait to see him in the blue, with no beard and and standing next to Pike, saying something like, "It, it, it is time for us to, to get back to the Enterprise," or something like. I think there's a bridge that needs to be created from the cage, even though the cage was intended as a pilot and not necessarily like meant to be part of, you know, the whatever canon or whatever. But like, you know, I think there needs to be a bridge between the cage and and TOS. Right. And I think that like to me, Ethan Peck, 
that is what I'm seeing. Like I'm seeing like this like troubled Vulcan who's like trying really hard to be a Vulcan, but he's like an uber asshole Vulcan. But then at the same time, he can't help but smile when he sees Pike, who he has who he has immense affection for. And we know this because in the cage, you work so hard to get him back to Talos, right? Or in so the, in the, the menagerie. Wait, what? sorry, in the menagerie. Thank you. Yeah, I, mean, I have no problem with that. To... I agree with all of that. I think I mean, Spock yeah, is coming I across. I think Spock is coming across as especially prickly in this episode, just because he is talking to Michael Burnham, and they have that you know like troubled relationship. Because right. when he gets when he gets he, on the bridge yeah. and he starts talking to Pike, he sounds like you know regular ass Spock. I suppose yeah, that's because I think... he's so out of context for the moment. Like, yeah, he's he's such in a non spock kind of situation, and he's I don't know, it's it's different. But Ethan Peck's Ethan Peck's voice is clearly deeper as well. Um, I can hear it. I don't. Yeah, but but I feel like it's not fair to. I, so here's how I look at it. Like, you know, uh, Leonard Nimoy is is the definitive. How like many people see spock right and but the character should be allowed to live on right like i think that the mm, character is absolutely. important enough that like you can have other actors portray him and in fact you know not exactly like i don't think he should do an impression of leonard nimoy but he's i think he's bringing something of his own to it and i think it's fitting for this area of this gray area where we don't know what Spock was doing, you know, well, that, that comes and, down and it'll to, transition right into Leonard Nimoy, and then we have the Leonard Nimoy Spock that, that we that all that comes know down to why you enjoy Solo so much because you don't, yes, you 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 don't care if someone does their own take on a character. Whereas I disagree. I think that if you take on the role of a character that already existed, part of that acting job is to act like the other actor did. That that I to like me, that you brought that, that to me is you brought an unpublished. I like that you brought our unpublished solo discussion into the mix. Um, into the mix here. That's to, to awesome. me, you need, to, you need to embody the character, but you need to also embody the actor that played the character because they're the ones that originally like defined how the character was, and you need to respect that. I agree that you but can add has, story elements, etc., yeah. but I mean... But you don't want to think he has a lot of... Go ahead. Go, or, you, um, okay, so, uh, you don't want to like impersonate someone else's performance like you don't you don't want chris pine to try to do like the shatner voice when he's playing kirk like no but you'll notice that he is very very shatner when he's like chris pine is the william shatner of today he's so cool um <laughs> right like but so cool when, one when, word when, is when that he... so cool one word is that so <laughs> hashtag so cool, cool? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> when, when when he's all like full impulse mr Sil, you can you can hear the captain kirk because it it reminds you of William Shatner without necessarily being like a, a parody of William Shatner. Right. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that like those all of those actors, the original series actors, they like they they defined and like to me, it's like uh, you know, I I like I definitely agree with you, Sean, because like I think that like personally on a, on a very personal level, like there should be no prequels. I think keep going right like you know this about me i've said this before but that being said like giving new di like that's why i love the books because you get and leonard nimoy playing like you know when when you have a story set in the past of tos if it's in a book you get to imagine your favorite actors so like i think but like taking that personal feeling aside and just looking at it from a character perspective 
I'm very intrigued by what Ethan Peck is doing, and I'm very interested in seeing where he's going to take this character. It's not perfect, but it can't be. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, but I'm very intrigued to see what he does with Spock because I'm, 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 I'm enjoying his his take on Spock. I try to counterbalance what you guys are saying because you're all very positive. But it, it, in, <laughs> it, it, all, in all honesty, I think that none of us can actually truly judge Ethan Pick's Spock for the moment. Right. Because we haven't actually seen Ethan Pick's Spock. We've just seen like some some crazy dude. Well, I um, like him so far. But it, yeah, but first of all, <laughs> yeah, I like him so First impressions are good, in my opinion. What do you th- like? What do you say in first impressions, uh, Sean, like of Ethan Peck? I don't know. I You're think right. he, 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 he acts well as like uh, the crazy guy or the Vulcan, <laughs> right? He's all right as the Vulcan, but he's not Spock for the moment. Not to me, anyway. Like mind melding with the Red Angel, well, that didn't seem Spockish to you. Yeah, but then okay, but like. Any, there's not, enough, there's not it's, enough. It's, yeah, it doesn't take a genius to say, hey, I've got Spock in my episode. I'm going to make him mind meld with someone. <laughs> I mean, my thoughts to your thoughts, my mind to your mind, whatever like, whatever it is. Like, it, it's, they also it's use easy that. that. They use they outuse the Vulcan line, uh, outweigh the, uh, the needs of the uh, many, outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, mm. Burnham basically. Since last season, they've said it four or five times. Yeah, that's, yeah. Become the, that's become the this is Sparta of Star Trek. Yeah, but I that's actually like one of the, that all the time. But that's of logic um, outside of Star Trek. Like, uh, are you guys watching that show? The what is it, Omens or something like that on Netflix? I'm not no. sure. But like, anyways, there's a class on ethics in in there, and like he talks about that concept. They talk about that concept, and I can't. I'm sorry, I'm not like educated enough to like give you guys the exact like you know uh you know source reference on that so we'll have to look it up or audience chime in uh in the comments below but like that is like a huge important to remember is that despite vulcans being like the logicians that you know the master logicians in in star trek that logic is a concept that humans came up with like independently of like of like vulcans like logic existed in human philosophy before we ever had first contact with the vulcans so it's not that humans are incapable of logic and in some ways humans in some way humans choose not to be ruled by logic which actually vulcans i think in the original series were designed to to show that like if you go too extreme in one direction it can also be bad so that like bringing it back to balance you know what i mean so like i see i see that presented a lot in in so, star trek what did you guys think of the telosians love they work? <laughs> <laughs> love 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 i love the updates to the telosians i was just happy that they weren't so radically redesigned I, I would have done, would have done two things different, uh, and this is all I would have would have changed from how Discovery did it. Is I, I would have gotten rid of like that bridge that comes up from their from their nose into their forehead. I, I just would have like flattened that down so that they they had like a more human looking face below the forehead, mm-hmm. and on the back of the head, I would have kept the little butt cheek things that they have <laughs> in the cage, just as like a little in joke. To the, the fans who have watched, did that we episode. did we even see the back of their heads yeah. in this episode? Though we, I don't think do. we ever saw it. No, did we, we? Okay, we do you know what's fru- you, know, you know what's frustrating about that that the fact that they show the the cage and they show what it looked like then, and then the way the Talosians looked in the cage, and they just they just mess with it. Actually, isn't there just one time? Isn't there just one time where they could take a classic alien? And just do exactly what they did 
when it worked back then. They did that with the Vulcans. They haven't changed anything. Yeah, I, I don't know, know but they're the only ones. Why did they and do well, that? Why, 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 why is the Talosian <laughs> speaking all like like a demon and stuff? Why is he sounding like the uh, Andorian? I don't know. Why do why do the Andorians have antennae that move on Enterprise, and then the, on the original series they look quite different? Oh no, no, that's see Enterprise Enterprise improved on <laughs> on that. I agree. What Enterprise oh, is doing is they're adding this too much. Where, Enterprise took where, the original series design and they made it modern, which is very very different from what Discovery did to the Andorians. Where they they genetic they changed the genetic makeup of the friggin' liked, race. They I thought add, you liked. I, thought I don't you liked mind. I don't mind. For I don't mind them. It's just that they, they, they give these new antennae. What they did to the Klingons is ridiculous. What they're doing to the Talosians is I don't know. I don't know why they do this. The episode, this I episode think... specifically, is amazing. The way it ties into the story and it adds so much depth to Vina, to Pike, to to Spock and Burnham. It, it's great on all of those levels, but just changing. Visually, the Talosians is ridiculous. My my argument is the same for the flowers, by the way. I I get that you want to make them look pretty, but they were very, very different. Were they? The, the yeah. way that I look the way that I look at it is, and I think that this episode kind of like illustrates that by showing the footage from the uh the original series in the cage, um, and the pilot in that like beautifully kind of stylized opening. And it gave it a comic book kind of feel to it, you know, or whatever. Is that I think that, like, in some ways, it's a proclamation that says, like, show like a show 2019 can't possibly homage to a show made in 1968 or 60, you know, 67 or what was That's it? Was it? Rogue, Rogue, One, Rogue One disproves that, yeah. But like, imagine the effort and then imagine, like. Wait, but like also on top of that, like just imagine for a second, like, you know, trends change and things like that. It's like, again, this is a show should have been set in the future. Like it would have alleviated a lot of this like problem. But like, let's look at it from this context. It's like, how can you expect like artists, like genuine artists, like you're going to hire the best people, you know, who are like artists to like completely acquiesce to like designs that have already be, been done, you know, like on TNG. No, 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 okay, can That's I just say challenge. something there? Yep, but on you're, TNG, you're, we see you're, like, the, Andorian, in the scene where Wall is trying to contemplate what she's going to be. They show an Andorian that looks completely different from like the original series Andorian. Yeah, and I, and I would erase that scene from the figured <laughs> episode because I find the it fucking film, offensive. It's the terrible. Film, the film Andorians, the film Andorians in Star Trek 4 are also different. Like the Tellarites keep going through you evolution. Can variation, you can have variations. You can have variations on the species. Excusing the mistakes of discovery not, by mistakes of the past. It's not because... It's not, it's not necessarily a mistake. It's like kind of like acknowledging that like, hey, like maybe this maybe the thing that we're wrong about is that like visual continuity matters. Like I think story continuity is different oh, from visual 100%. continuity. And maybe the thing maybe maybe that's the thing that we're wrong about. Maybe Star Trek has never been like wrong. has never cared about it. Star Trek Star Trek I'm sorry, Star Trek Enterprise and Deep Space Nine all tied the Klingon visuals into one huge storyline. And it essentially it blended think, it blended the, say, it blended the visual continuity with the story continuity. It's it made it all make, it made it to it me, make 100% Enterprise, that's because you have Worf saying yeah, to that, me, Enterprise is the first time 
Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Father. Sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say that you have Worf saying that uh, we don't discuss it without ciders, and and Bashir and O'Brien seem to have no idea that there were ever smooth-headed Klingons ever existed. Like that doesn't quite make a lot of sense. You would think that they they would, Starfleet would be aware of what happened in Enterprise, but yeah. But you know what? In that in an episode of DS Nine, which is like the best episode of DS Nine, trials and tribulations. Yeah, I love it. That, the, that acknowledgement of the difference between designs, uh, where Odo asks and Worf responds, that's like a that's pure jokery. Yes, that's that's tomfoolery. That means nothing. It's just a way of it's a it's a way of wink it's a, it's a way of winking to fans and saying, listen, we acknowledge the difference. Don't worry about it. And then Enterprise just went ahead later on and decided to try to explain that. And they did it actually in a very interesting way. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought and it also. That, 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 that should continue within the continuity of Discovery, but yeah. you know they're not really going to go. If there. visual continuity doesn't count in Star Trek, then nothing counts. Then, like, if visual continuity doesn't count, then why why do we even care about the tech that they used? Why do we even care about any of the science that they established? Like, it none of it matters because part of Star Trek is the visual consistency what made Star Trek such an amazing show is not like is, yes it's the stories but it was like the amazement of seeing the ship talking to the original series the amazement of seeing the ship and everyone still talks about how the original series ship is like the best design ever apparently friggin some of like the, the US Navy based some of their like some of the command centers or bridges or whatever it was on, on the original series bridge so yeah, I mean you can't just dis disregard any of that we all believe. I think we all believe that there is no alternate license mandatory twenty five percent rule because no, that, that, how would, that, could you, how would so, you even quantify that for that's one just thing? False. So I think and that I, I think and that all of this is creative, right? So all of all of these decisions decisions are creative. I just think that's that, that's I just the think that the I think that the incongruities in Star Trek Discovery stand out so much that there's a reason for them, and I'm just willing. You're not convinced by that, that, but it's not. Like, we don't do any no. timeline like drastic I think timeline will. shenanigans. I, I, I don't, don't want no, that already. Anyway. Even I don't, I don't want them. To do even that. in this, if you're like father's, like change it all, burn no, it to the ground. No, I, don't, uh, I, I, want <laughs> them, I want them to to not change the timeline. I'm I'm against. I'm I'm saying just just show me in the like, last episode of Discovery. Just show me things looking more like TOS and just right. But yeah, like, build like, an original like the, series set. The yeah. timeline's already been changed. It's it's like I feel like this episode kind of like hints at that because Ugh. again, from the perspective of wherever the red angel comes from, whatever, five hundred years from the future, whatever it is, Burnham was supposed to die. And that red well, angel no, changed that. Hey, 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 hey. Here here's where here here's the big plot hole here. Because they established that this is the same timeline as the cage as we saw it in the original version. But if Michael Burnham had died and her her not being around is the true timeline, so to speak. Then the cage would not be the way it is. It would be a different timeline. You know what I mean? Like also remember this timeline has to. She exist. can't die. This timeline I'm, has. Go ahead. I, uh, so some people are theorizing that this is going to end where Michael Burnham has to somehow go back, or some has to be erased at that point. Like she really has to die. Back in the day, and then every the, all this bad stuff that leads to the annihilation of everybody in the galaxy doesn't happen, and that's the only way is for her not to exist. I don't believe well, I think, that. No, I think that, I, that would totally undo the entire. 
I, I think her season. existence is what changes the annihilation. It's because Spock ah, says in this yeah. episode, episode, like uh, you know that the, like whatever our actions, you and me depend on because Spock is realizing like wait so like this red angel came back and changed your death for a reason and it has to do with like not having that come to pass so I okay. Burnham Burnham is the reason why it won't happen that's what we're going to eventually find out why but I think that the timelines change and I, I also like that Burnham says in one scene in, on the bridge later she goes sir um, the red angel is altering events in our current Whereas I love that because it's acknowledging that, hey, like, don't make such a big deal. Time's changing all the fucking time. There's time travelers unbeknownst to us going back and doing crazy shit. So time can just change. Like, stop focusing on time. There is no time to argue about time. There is no time to argue exactly about time. If they change the timeline, though, then I would would be so mad at all the writers, all the producers, everyone who worked on Star Trek Discovery – because they have been telling us from the very beginning, yeah. said, this is in the prime timeline. This is the same timeline as the next generation and DS9 could, and the original but, series. But the paradox yeah. could be resolved before you see all that happening. And it is. So in fact, it is true that this becomes the same timeline. But right now we're seeing it happening for the first time. If that makes from I, I like just, a temporal mechanic perspective, like we're witnessing it for the first time, but ultimately it does become a part of what we know as established events. I don't, I, love, I don't need a, or, go ahead. <laughs> I love the fact that the Kelvin timeline like exists. I love that kind of excuse that the film is going to exist in a separate timeline and therefore you can have the events unfold in that way. And it can be more action, Star Trek flavored action movies. I love that. But then I feel like it's kind of brought to us this excuse now or this budget theory craft uh, like plot device that everyone in the Star Trek community uses all the time now. Oh, well, now that we know that timelines exist, everything can be in a different timeline. No, shut up with that. Right. It's it's the prime timeline and that's it. Right. Not like you can't make every season of every show a new timeline now because of this event or that event, the first contact and enterprise and this, and oh God, it's, it's all bullshit, right? Just <laughs> yeah, stop right. With this. I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. It's just, this is prime timeline. It's visually different because they chose to make it visually different. You can agree with it or not deal with it. It still is prime. Just, yeah, I, I, I don't, mean, I don't like the visual changes. Too bad for me, right? Well, but Sean, you agree with me? Like, you don't want them to have a, a timeline divergence explanation just no. to, just to let us know why they had holograms on Discovery. No, no. Yeah. but even like if they did that, then it would give me a reason to never watch Discovery ever again. I'd be like, ah, pfft, that was just the that was the Discovery timeline shit. I don't need to watch that because well, it's like its own pocket universe. Fuck it. I'll just keep on watching. Well, all that's of the how real I show. feel about Enterprise ending on a holodeck. So, I mean, I feel like. This- same way it's but like, then you oh, okay. you misinterpret the the finale of enterprise the finale of enterprise does not establish that the entire show is yeah, on the I holodeck know that those it events... gives importance to the characters hang on because it shows it how doesn't do that for me Riker. what it does to me is it establishes that like whatever enterprise events really look like they could what we could have been watching is holodeck fantasy which could have had interpretations that didn't actually exist at the time so for example when enterprise you know, does something that's not, you know, correct visually. I can excuse it when, because when I'm like, oh, it's just devices. No. Right, exactly. Things like that. Like, I can excuse no. that because I'm like, none of oh, the episodes, like- none of the episodes <laughs> that come before the finale have anything to do with the hologram program that Riker is running. 
No, Full I stop. realize that. There's I too many. <laughs> there's too many things that the holo whoever programmed that that uh, holodeck, <laughs> like they wouldn't have known that like the Romulans were had, had like the secret base on Romulus where they were piloting the like the drone ship. <laughs> like there's a bunch of things in Enterprise that no one would have known about. Like no one, no one, who would have known about like to like it's not a person that so it's not a person that puts that together. Father, I'll just remind you that the computer, the AI aboard the Enterprise D or E whatever it was at the time, is actually uh, putting that together from documents and historical records and visual records and things like that so that's yeah. what's happening the enterprise it's finale is, is, is i wish good. it was a person but it's the computer <laughs> the enterprise finale gives importance to the characters right it, it gives importance to the characters it gives importance to the nxo one it shows how like how much impact and how much influence they can still have on someone like Riker so many years later also they got cancelled so they had to find a way to make this thing like they couldn't give you a, a, a four episode arc on, on, on the creation of the Federation where they were planning on doing seven seasons, not four. So what they managed to do was very good for what they were given, right? I'm not going to say hated, it was very good. I hated but... Enterprise when it was on the air because of all this. I had similar reservations as I do as I did with Discovery in season one. And I have to say that like now that I'm watching Star Trek, enterprise like years later re-watching it i enjoy it way more because i've like i've put aside those like personal attachments and emotions to what i expected and unfortunately now that the expanse exists i'm like well we should have just had that shit that should have yeah. been like star trek prequel show enterprise but, happens a hundred uh, years before so what's up with like time like things <laughs> can change in a hundred years 10 years not well 10 it's not even 10 years discovery has this flaw of being between the cage and the original series so you try yeah, you can't really change to, to you can't really more. change things our phones used to be really big and then they became really small but now they're really big again in in the real world so um anyway yeah but like i don't know i think that the, i think that talking about an earlier point about the universe seeming big or small it's like up until now we've only been focused on like you know you know other with the and Deep Space Nine, most of Star Trek is focused on the Enterprise, the Enterprise crew, whatever they know, whatever's happening in their world. And I kind of love that Discovery just kind of has opened the universe up a little bit, whereas like these things that we couldn't think about or didn't even imagine or don't accept even to some degree are happening. Like Section 31 being a big part of like, <laughs> you know, the story. Like this is something that we don't expect to be happening but it is happening and it's and i think it's gonna all i have a lot of faith to put spock go go with me on faith i have a lot of faith in discovery mainly because of season two but i'm starting to like feel like okay i'm ready i'm you know i'm, I'm willing to like decide my differences for the where this ride is gonna go right the problem is it's clear that Dis <laughs> the problem is it's clear that discovery didn't say this is how the original series is supposed to look like we're going to make it this much different and you know gradually tweak it so it looks like the original series it's clear that what they've done is that we're going to do this and now they have to course correct everything which is very different yeah um, yeah i would say that that's fair the enterprise um, kind of had a bit of that though when they started course correcting things in season four like like making Making the Vulcans closer to like a, a traditional Star Trek Vulcan type. They had a hundred years though. No, yeah, you, it worked better. It worked better then with a hundred years instead of a decade. Nine but, years um, now, counting the clock is counting. We're in a fight for the future here, guys. We have, uh, <laughs> we have eight years. Eight years before Kirk takes over the the Enterprise. And three years, like after the Cage. 
or two years after the cage or whatever. So yeah, look at that. Mm. Um, look at the, it look was at a weird, Sean. That face palm needs to be turned into a gift. <laughs> that needs to be turned into someone that into a gift because that was just like. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go take a screenshot of that, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> so good. Whenever I want to face palm someone on Twitter, I'm gonna use a screenshot of, of Sean. <laughs> That's like such a, so good. For the um, record, evil. I like I like this episode. <laughs> I, I really do. <laughs> what about the evil admiral scene with with uh, in the the like? What do you guys? <laughs> what's that all about? Bad what's going Admiral Khan. There? That was Bad Admiral Khan. Twenty two fifty seven. Why do we need four admirals? <laughs> like, what was the? It was one of each that? species. It was one of each race. One of each founding it's member. It's interesting. Yeah, that was so like on the nose though. Be like, here's one of everything. Like I like I like the Telluride. He was very clean cut. Like we've seen all of them look like space pirates until now on Discovery. This guy wasn't. He had like he was bald. He didn't have like a weird beard or anything. I, I want to see them. a Telluride without tusks though. Just, I do. Just, just to let me know that they're out there. Yeah. Uh, PJ's been very quiet. I know he has stuff to say, but uh, go on. Sorry. Was one 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 more thing about the admirals is why do they not have the new uniforms that they were on the Enterprise? Right. Like, why yeah, hasn't was kind of Starfleet of HQ converted to that? Discovery doesn't care about that stuff. <laughs> That's not important to them. I think that they also, think went, they also, the went, to tell, they also went to Talos 4 on a shuttle. And I feel like Talos 4 was very far away. Like the original series, they got the Enterprise oh, out there on a five-year so mission or whatever. I forgot. I had a critique on the... I thought that the shuttles, especially the long-range shuttles worked on a similar principle to a warp core with the bizarre ram scoops and like the bizarre collectors rather and like you know the the intermix chamber and an antimatter matter uh reaction but it made it seem like in the last episode that they ran on plasma and that when you exhausted the plasma fuel that you ran out of fuel but yet how are you getting like these great it is true like then the same class shuttle is able to traverse these great distances at warp so i'm like what is it is it a warp a mini warp engine or is it a mini plasma based engine so i was a little confused it, it comes into another problem later on where pike's all like we need to spore jump to tell us for because why like you need to spore jump there because it's that far away but then like well no it's a difference of a spock few hours Burn, versus... spock and burnham yeah. just went there like in a shuttle <laughs> they so... also wanted to beat section 31 there okay. right that's that was part of that too i but think they have uh they have sunny from irobot going getting all mad on their vessel, shutting the spore drive down. Sorry, guys. I get I get uh, tweet notifications whenever Patrick Stewart, uh, uh, and so I just want to uh, say that he has tweeted that medical cannabis is now legal in the UK, but too often patient access is cruelly denied. Visit endyourpain.org to email your MP, urging them to act. End our pain. End our pain. So. That was an activist moment about legalizing uh, medical marijuana in the UK. Thank you. So, what what do y'all think? What do you think are the odds that Sir Patrick Stewart <laughs> is high right now, tweeting that? <laughs> Not very high, I, I would reckon. Because he doesn't seem he doesn't to... he doesn't seem like a. Oh, do you think he's in? Oh, he, he might have like arthritis or some stuff. He, yeah, he yeah, uses it for, for arthritis. 
Okay. Right. And he was very turned on by what he saw of the Patrick uh, of the Star Trek Picard series. So maybe he was high when he was doing he's, that. He's going to be I high that, the entire show. That's why he's accepted <laughs> it. That's why he accepted to come back. Oh, no. He's high now. <laughs> but I actually love because uh, d- just to clarify, though, jokes aside, uh, you don't necessarily get high off of medical marijuana. There are uh, CBD um, type uh uh, strains that have been cultivated uh, to handle things like pain, etc., without the uh, psychotropic effects are caused by THC. I would assume that's what Sir Patrick Stewart uses. Yes, I would assume that as well. He uses, the, but if um, he wanted to get high, I think it's cool. Also, <laughs> just personally, and I would love to get high with Patrick Stewart. Just throwing it out there to the universe. All right, go on. <laughs> Wow, that like derailed our whole discussion. <laughs> like you guys are just. I got, I, got like, I got something to talk about. About we right. we mentioned the uh, the twenty five percent rule that um, I guess all that stuff started with John Eves, the uh, ship designer, who uh, one time gave us a, a text trek shout out on the text trek Facebook Ooh. page. So that was cool. Ooh, wow. But he he said that he had to make the seventeen oh one Connie that we see in Discovery. 25% different and that that came from the legal department and then he later said like oh well I'm not the best person to ask about this type of stuff I don't really know what's going on and, and CBS did this thing where they said oh no we can we can use any version of the Enterprise we own the rights to all of Star Trek so I, I think I think what the situation is is basically they they do for creative reasons choose to make everything 25% different but also for uh the the capital reasons of they want to be able yeah they want to make the merchandise look different and have like a different uh, license that you have to you have to buy if if you check out kit walski's interview with pj isn't it uh matt matt kadish is his name yeah um you know they 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 talk about that uh some in there and so i i think that might have been part of the decision to to change the telosians just in case anyone wants to make a toy of a Telosian or some, I don't know, a t-shirt of a, of a Telosian or some piece of merchandise. They have to buy like a new license to be able to do it. Little do they know they're going to sell less if they're not faithful to the original. Oh, I, I would buy it. Uh, okay. Actually, I would buy it too. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, that does make sense because Eagle Moss, they do all the ships and what have you. So now they have right, to do all the new ships. Yeah, I have to have all the Enterprises. Yeah. I have See, all it's of like the, the, it's the discovery ships yeah, it's, there. Look at you. <laughs> nice. The detail that went into the Klingon stuff was perfect for merchandising. And if the Klingons had looked a bit more traditional in that same kind of like really cool 3D printed armor with mm. this like fine detail to it, it would have enhanced what they were and not changed appear appeared so different yeah changed. Oh, I, I would i would not buy a t-shirt of the of the disco klingons though <laughs> like no absolutely no. not yeah i would but not, you but you, but you would buy you would buy uh like um a tng style klingon with that awesome like um discovery armor on him and, and done in a and i think way. here's i also think here's where the actors actually like kind of like help to like with acceptance of these things, I would buy a Mary Chifo as Laurel shirt. Cause I just like her, you know, like that's the thing. It's like, I, I don't really her. like the idea. 
I don't really like the idea of how the Klingons are redesigned, but I do like Mary Chief. We're, we're going to see her again. Uh, Mary Chief said that Lorel will return in season two of Discovery. So I'm hoping when she shows up, she has a fleet of D7s. Yes. Yeah. I would love there to oh, be yeah. some, some smooth-headed Klingons operating yeah. them. I was That's expecting them to bring the smooth Klingons <laughs> in and be like, guys, you started a war, you did all this shenanigans, just get lost now. Can you please can you please stop with this? And like they established that the, these Klingons that we've been seeing have like they're from some sort of outskirts Al of the Empire. Alex Kurtzman, Alex Kurtzman confirmed that they won't be doing that. They won't be introducing any of TOS style anything they said he said in an interview that they'll only be dealing with the klingons that we saw in the first season and they did redesign laurel they smoothed out her makeup or whatever uh, but they didn't do anything to every other klingon around her except just add hair to the already piled on makeup so it is well, maybe, maybe it is. well what they what they could show is a variety over time they could actually show a, a wide variety of different looking ones. They just they don't have to show just the ones they designed in season one. In season like, five of Star Trek Discovery, they'll fix the Klingons. Yeah, yeah. Well, Why from then? the from the Question, I don't, they could have they could have designed their own Klingons from the get go, make them look so radical, but like just have Klingons from TNG, have Klingons from the original series as well. And do you know what work. they weren't legally allowed to do? Uh, you know the. Uh, Neville Page's Klingon designs for uh, into into darkness, and the only we only actually saw the one guy. But if you look at the various Klingon designs, they're the best looking updated Klingons I've ever I, I've seen yeah. so far. Yeah. JJ Abrams well, specifically chose the one that looked completely hideous. He chose the worst. Oh yeah, one. he he oh. chose chose the worst one. But if you see the other designs, you could actually see that as a proper update. But uh, they could they, they couldn't do that in discovery even if they wanted to so i think they went that's part of the reason they might have gone more extreme with the design maybe wasn't nev is and neville page isn't he uh involved with both right yes both. he's involved with both yeah. but legally i don't think he can use what he used Fascinating. in the jj verse he can just make it travel to different and they can get away with it Travel to Talos is prohibited by Starfleet, but they don't mention General Order Seven uh, uh, specifically. Does that fit with how you got? Does that meet your expectations, or would you like to have heard about General Order Seven? I mean, um, no. the the death penalty for going to Talos Four always seemed weirdly harsh. So I'm okay with them just not mentioning it. And if, if and, in, and if I'm not mistaken, there's like a there's a throwaway reference in TNG, isn't there, where that there's like colonists that are going to Talos Four or something like that, like uh, which seems like that the writers didn't really like look into it. That they just wanted to say something, or, but like I Talosians died by then. They they do establish uh, that the Talosians are going to die. Oh, okay. Where's that? Sorry. They, they needed they needed Pike and Vina to repopulate their. Oh, planet that's right. They, yeah, they needed a race who could like learn to operate their machines and that's right. That's uh, right. Take care of the planet, and without that's that, like they're a labor a labor force. Yeah, exactly. They, they even tell Pike at the end of of the cage. They tell him that like, um, yeah, you humans, you were our last hope for survival, but we see that you're you're too reckless to be caged, and we have to set you free. That's right. I forgot about that. Thanks for the reminder. So yeah, so then TNG Talos Four might be interesting because it's a human colony now. Let's like, say so we're like, <laughs> okay, I'm looking or, that uh, up now. Colony, colony rather. 
Memory Alpha says, in 2328, this talking about Talos IV, was the destination for passengers traveling to the Triskelion orbital station via commercial oh, transport. I just mentioned the Triskel earlier. Sorry, go on. Ryan Adams, <laughs> Wednesday Adams. It's like the Adams family. Lord Evans <laughs> traveled on the SS Cogen, and Mike Eccles traveled on the SS Wisconsin. That was on a note, Kudagram. It wasn't actually mentioned, but it was in the TNG episode oh, in gotcha. It was just like on like a display somewhere. That's the episode where the uh, the mean lady kills the crystalline entity. That's yeah. right. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. I think, or, so you're or saying or it's just the in the background. No, 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 no. That's the one with Data's mom. That's the one where Data meets his mom. Uh, like, I get, I get the they're both like Data hanging out with like an old lady, and also <laughs> but, because she's all like pretending to be his the son's mom because Data channels yeah. her son. You're right. That's right. Yeah, no, this is the one where, where Data had his mom come on board the ship, and it turns out she was an android also. Your your thoughts on the Stamets, Culber, Tyler? Oh, I love when Culber goes into that cafeteria or the mess hall, and he walks up to the table and he just smacks that fucker like right out of <laughs> right across the room, and yeah. and uh, you know, uh, Saru's like, let them fight, and. Uh, <clears throat> It was really good. I like how the, it ended. They kind of like embrace and there's that understanding of like, what What does Culber say? Well, he, he's like, I don't even know who, says, I am anymore. know who I am anymore. And then, and he's like, uh, then he's like do like, you know who you're talking to? Do you know who you're talking to, man? And then I thought they were going to make out. But anyway, that didn't happen. It looked like a real fight. It, it looked like a, like it a, did look a like real fight. brawl between two guys. And they had a bro moment at the end. It was cool. Are they setting up for Culber to go off to section 31 with Tyler and be a character on the section 31 show. That would be oh, so that would dark. Be good. If, that like, would be good. It would be so dark if like both. So Tyler's rejected by Burnham and by Pike. Cause like, you know, he can't be with the captain Pike. So he goes and hooks up with Culber and they like start a new relationship. And poor Stamets is like super like depressed. Cause he's like, well, I got my, cause Culver's still alive, but he doesn't uh-huh. love me anymore. Now he's with Tyler. The guy who liked that in the first place. I like the, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I like the domestic yeah, exchange between them and their quarters. Like, like from Stamets, I'm having all the feels for that. He, like the the way Stamets looks at it is, he's like, I've done the impossible. Like I went down into hell and rescued you, and now we can we should be happy together. And he's he's which Cobra, is actually Cobra's like this maybe is actually kind of hell. like yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing is, is that what what's cool about this is that it's actually a great like uh, re of an, an old archetype, right? Which is like the uh, how like who was it that was trying to rescue someone from Hades back in the Greek mythology, and like he brings and the whole the whole thing is like the one thing you can't do back, right? And then she looks back, and then that's it. It's ruined. It's like you know her like she can't ever be alive as a mortal again. So Sometimes I forget what the dead is better. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that uh persephone persephone, persephone thank you yes and then there's this like compromise where persephone only thank you i know my mythology is a little rusty there but you filled it in i think that's what it was that was the persephone story I so i do like that there's these like me too my old my old brain is feeble it's not as good as when i was your age guys but uh <laughs> um were you guys like pleased with the portrayal of Vina and how the actress did Vina and like the updates to Vina and everything like that? 
Nope. I, I think the the new woman is the new actress. Uh, what was her name? Um, Melissa George. I, I think I think she's a, a gorgeous woman, um, but she didn't look that much like Susan Oliver. And to be honest, I I I, I think Susan Oliver more embodied the uh, like the ideal woman fantasy that Pike was having. Yeah. And the way and her the way they made her look, uh, like her her trans like when they reveal how she really looks, the original version was a lot better. It was a lot so more much gruesome. creepier. Yeah, it, it was more gruesome. And the I like visual that. effect, like and the visual effect that they used back then of the, uh, you know, that kind of fading effect was very well done. They did that. In it like was like multiple. It was like stages. You went from like correct posture to like you know block you know, whatever. I noted that the sound design I thought was pretty awesome, how they like mixed like the old sounds with like kind of updated them and they blended really beautifully. And Sean, you mentioned that like the new uh, singing plant, but actually I thought they were like really cool. I think that like if the 60s design team could do like the singing plants today, they would do them exactly like that. I like the plants. Regarding the, the the makeup of of Vina when she's when she's um, damaged, I thought it was really good. Um, like she has the same like the same scar across her face. She has the same damage on the side of her face. The only really big difference is she's not like all um, like how she she's got this huge lump on on her shoulder or whatever in in the she's case. She's Yeah, almost. But then then you got to imagine that time passes between now and the menagerie. Oh no, it was yeah. the cage. It was the cage originally, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that right. she was like that. Okay. I mean, the so menagerie. She was, the menagerie. She was, so she was maybe healed right. a little or something. The the, the menagerie that, re, reuses basically all the scenes from the cage the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, she should have she should have been as damaged. But there was, that was like a flashback that was set to before the events of this episode when they yeah, used. So she she should have she should have been as damaged in this episode as she was in the cage. But. Maybe they, after they studied Pike in the cage, they were able to like heal her. Yeah, make her like a little bit better. But she still has the scars or whatever. I'm okay with it. I enjoyed the fact that she had the same like visual, like um, facial problems. I I didn't think it was as gruesome as it looked in the original series. So I think they they could have. Why are the television so no? Why are the television so interested in Burnham and Spock's uh, relationship and? In particular, that memory of her rejecting Spock as a child. That's what they do. They, they have a desire for understanding everything about everything. They basically, if Telosians existed on Earth, they would be watching Big Brother like all day. Like they just, <laughs> they just, they just want to like spy on people and like peek into their lives. No, that's like, that's, that's their true. thing. Like, like Vulcan, yeah, it's Vulcan's true. Thing is logic. Klingon thing is honor. The Telosian thing is like like spy on people, like watch creepos. their lives. Yeah, <laughs> creepos, butthead uh, creepos. I didn't like how the Telosians in this episode didn't have the that air of support superiority that they had in the cage. They're kind of like really nice in this uh, episode. I didn't like that. I but like they, the story. I like everything you know, on the, everything in this episode. On the nice page in, is good, but they're nice in the menagerie because they like accept. They like bring. They like hike. But in the cage, and, and the say that you know their own personal like 
they have an interest right. in this? What like they have no interest in the hit in this episode, apart from maybe digging into prying into like Spock and, and Burnham's relationship. I would have oh. liked the Talosian to say, like, yeah. uh, you know, Burnham, uh, give us one of your memories or we will take it from you or something like that. I don't know. Just to the, be a, just to be a little bit threatening. Well, like I was saying earlier, we're like the end well, of the cage. The Talosians learn that they're they're all going to die. So they, they might have been like less assholey because they're yeah. not as preoccupied with like the survival of their race. They've kind of accepted right. their fate. And it, it might make sense that they're a little bit more benevolent now that they've looked into Spock's mind and they've seen that all life in the galaxy is going to be destroyed. So maybe they're thinking like, well, if our race is doomed, there's no reason for everyone else to be doomed. So we can... That's, we, nice. yeah, that's a good point. That's we can nice fix this that. guy, you know, send him back and maybe like... like Spock can go get his captain and, and maybe they can right. oh maybe they can like save the galaxy and then when they invite Pike back to come live with them in the menagerie maybe that was like to reward him for saving all the life in the galaxy in season two of Discovery yeah that would be a nice tie in sounds pretty uh, pretty pretty like spot on uh, there is one scene though where Vina does say hey you don't want to you don't want them to force payment it's not yeah, pleasant yeah. but she does <laughs> She does hint at their that they are capable of a darker a darker a hostility way. of some sort. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Saru and Pike scene. Uh, okay, uh, Sean has to leave in a second, but really quickly, you have to give your rating before you leave. But I just want to point out that I really loved the Saru Pike scene uh, post the fight, uh, where he says basically like he's like and like he kind of addresses the evolution thing with like you, maybe you wouldn't have made the same decision before and then he says but moving forward the uniform code of conduct has to be the way and i just love that scene that's one of the reasons i love pike so like he's such a refreshing like leader in terms of like how he's forgiving but at the same time lays down the law i just i love captain yeah. pike anyways i agree yeah he's great uh sean before you go do you want to give your uh rating for this episode and any final thoughts and then we can keep discussing guys if you guys want to um okay so i give this episode an eight out of ten wow because i think that the episode does work on its own like regardless of of all the canon tie-ins and like all of what it did with the cage and the menagerie i think the episode is is a good episode it finally explains a lot of things that are going on in this season it gives us a good backstory to burnham and pike uh burnham and spock sorry i love everything they're doing with Colba. It doesn't bother me that Cobra's kind of a side story to every episode because I think that the story is is growing well, and I enjoyed his fight scene. I thought it was very well executed, except maybe at the end of the fight scene, he they didn't seem the both of them didn't seem too like exhausted. They they seemed quite fine, but um, I think well, the episode was in good. incredibly good shape. But anyways, go on. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But no, I, I really like the episode. I do have some problems with the visual, like I suppose, interpretation of the Talosians. Um, but other than that, I think story-wise, it was great. So, best episode of Discovery season two for me so far. Wow, eight high praise for you. So excellent. All right. All See right, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for being yeah. on. And wait, one more thing. Sorry, one more thing. Enjoy your time in New Zealand. We're going to miss you for five weeks. Five freaking weeks. It's insane. I'll be on the we're Twitter. Not gonna... Yeah, I know you'll be on the Twitter, but we like seeing your videos every week and stuff like that. All so right. it'll be cool when, when you get, get back. back. And 
And unfortunately, yeah, you'll have a lot of work. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, have a great time and live long and prosper. And we'll we'll see you when you when you get back, sir. Have see you guys. Bye. Thanks. Thank you. All right. So I only have a few more notes on this episode, uh, but if you guys have anything to say, um, but we can kind of start wrapping up our discussion too and and give our ratings. But uh, the last say i already talked about the tilt of the ships i like the humor like say goodbye spock that scene that was really funny and he's like goodbye yeah, I like spock um, i like the, and the then, trick that they did there with the yeah because i was mad when they had like the transporter lock and i was like why aren't you showing uh burnham and spock right now like being stuck in like a transporter lock not going anywhere like discovery i hate it when you do this when you don't show us the the visuals of what's going on <laughs> like why won't right. you just show them to me and then I'm like, oh, that's why. It was actually really clever what they did there. Clever, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, and then I like the whole thing about riding into danger. Like seeing Spock and Captain Pike reunited just like gave me all the feels again. I know that's like a millennial thing, but it totally it totally gave me that. And I, I loved it. I loved all of it. Note note for note. But um you got anything else on, on Discovery? Or do we all need to give our ratings? Um, I, mean, I guess I just have a question. The main question I have is like, what what do you guys think, Philip uh, uh, Emperor Emperor George? What is the, like, what's the deal with this character? Like, uh, in the last episode, she claims to know Burnham better than Burnham knows herself. There's like definitely something going on where she Burnham, but I just don't buy it. Like, she seems like you know, like a solidly evil character. Are we looking? a redemption plot and then when we get her in section 31 like i don't I, I just don't really this is a lot of like gray area for me i don't want to see her redeemed um she can have like darth vader redemption and die in the process i can <laughs> i cannot have the person who ruled a fascist xenophobic empire who exterminated entire planets who ate people Right, she then, admits in this episode, she's like, oh, I came across the Telosians in my universe after they tried their yeah. mind trick shit on me. I just blew them out, uh, you know, blew them out, basically. Like, so, like, I, like, I cannot have her be, like, the hero week to week, uh, uh, you know, righting wrongs and doing good. Like, I, she is, is too disgusting of a person. The only way she could really redeem herself would to be to go back to the mirror universe and bring down the Terran empire that has inflicted all of this pain on the countless worlds. And we know from Star Trek canon that that doesn't happen. The right, Terran empire right. is still a thing. I so, have no, I have no interest anymore in as Giorgio show based on most of what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, if, if, if she's still like kind of a villainous character in the show, and uh, I think there's other ways to make it work, but yeah, I do not. I do not want a Giorgio redemption story. Fair. Um, and then uh, I think's gonna happen next week with Arium and the freaking crazy red three lights and like what's going on here. Like, do you guys have any more insider theories about like these 500 years from the future? Uh, are the, the, the Ray, what's going on? Yeah, it's like go that on. technology from the future that's now being used through Arium, I think is somehow going to infiltrate Section Thirty One, and the next episode they kind of go there and it's all shut down. 
and something's wrong and Arium, you know, goes ballistic. So do you think they're going to put Arium down? They're, they're, Are they going to have to put <laughs> I know she's she's going to she's going to escape. She's going to go off somewhere and she's going to become something else and the queen. Oh. Oh. I, I suspected that there were Borg ties, but I don't know. Um, I, I, I one, theory, one, one theory I have is, you know how early in this episode, Giorgio says that um, she doesn't like taking orders from these computers and all this oh, threat yeah, like, analysis software. And, uh, what if the Section 31 computers become like this advanced Skynet level AI? I think David Mack kind of had some novels about Section 31 about this. But they uh, make this super advanced e- evil computer system in the future, that, and that's what sent the probe back in time. It would be an interesting way to explain why in TOS and onward, there is like less of an emphasis on like no computers aren't developed to the level of data. Like until data comes along, we don't really see that level of advancement in computer. Po- yeah, positronic brains and like things like that. And like even though it is acknowledged that the enterprise is AI, it does serve the crew rather have its own thoughts and feelings and things like that. It's bereft of any kind of like sentience, as far as we can tell, except for a few exceptions where like the story like you know caused it to become more advanced. So maybe something does go out of control, and that explains why later on the Federation is like, oh no, yeah, we have to put a kibosh on this kind of technology or whatever, or they're reticent to use it. They could also use it to erase all traces of Section 31 from all the computers, and that's why Cisco couldn't research them in DS9. No one right. had seemed to have heard about them, except for some right. high it is odd. Air fleet officials that would it is, write them off. Yeah, it is It is odd how well or how, uh, how involved Section 31 is. I like the scene where uh, Captain Pike says, as, as much as it pains me to distrust a division of Starfleet, um, you know, I hope we get to them before Section Thirty One does. So I do think things are being planted for Section Thirty One to to go underground more, like to to go deep, deep, deep underground. All right, I, that's all I got, guys. Uh, anything <laughs> else? Uh, PJ, you wanted to talk about the editing. Sp- oh, I I do want to talk about sound design was superb. Uh, so was the uh, music in this episode. And I had an interaction with uh, the editor on Twitter, and I thought editing was just pure editing, like scene cuts and things like that was great. I did think that the lens flares were overdone a little bit uh, in this episode, but just, you know, I'll let PJ, because I think you have some comments about that, right? Like you have some comments about just the visuals. Do you want to say that? Uh, no, the, so, uh, di- certain direct certain directors of Discovery, uh, they're they're allowed to do these things, right? They're allowed to do all the you know the weird angles. And yeah, all it's like and, it's your visual. But some of them that just take it to a level where it's just totally unnecessary. And the, if you look at in the uh, a lot of scenes in this episode on the discovery uh, hallways and in rooms, it looks like somebody's burning toast in every room. It's like it's just a, a fog and a haze and. And you watch other episodes, and it's not filmed the same. There, there, there's different styles within each episode, and I just didn't like this director's style. But overall, like the story and the information we got, and, and the acting was very on par. But just the visuals were a bit distracting for me. So I didn't notice the I, spoke or the fog, but I'll yeah, go back it's a haze. That. It's a haze. It's more of a haze. I love the lighting. I mean, I, the lighting is weird. 
I, I like. I, I did like notice the, this episode was like, different. I did. I did notice this episode was different. But different. What is God is the director, right? Of this episode, I think um, is the name of the director. Yeah, um, TJ but I, I actually. Yeah, I liked some of the wider and thought they went wider than they normally do with some of the angles, especially yeah. like at the end when Pike is like walking uh, to the view screen facing off against Leland. Like, like the Discovery Bridge looked even more wide than it usually does. One thing I did love is that like ever since Interstellar, worm, uh, black holes are now portrayed like scientifically accurately, right? And so mm -hmm. it had like kind of like a that black hole, the Telosian illusion looked a lot like the Interstellar black hole kind of love that um yeah that, that was cool. done and yeah it looked pretty cool um and then how like i love just again there's just so much to talk about but we gotta you know stay within the time frame but i love how spock wakes up from his like haze to like power down you know like he's like like you know he just like has these moments of clarity uh, like fluid through time or whatever he's experiencing i imagine it's not unlike how captain cisco commander cisco was like you know interacting with the wormhole aliens <laughs> you know he's like going through these memories and he doesn't know if where he is and stuff like that but for a moment he can like bring himself force himself back into the present moment and i love that scene where he like burnham's freaking out like what the hell are you doing like like and you know <laughs> and he, he has to like force her back like yeah so hold her back and force down the controls it was just like a very scary cool moment it was nice it was good that they actually remembered that Vulcans are supposed to be way stronger than humans. Always. Yeah, <laughs> I also love the... And what's the martial art that the Vulcans use called again? Susma. Thank you. Like, Ock executes so beautifully in that scene in the in the memory of of the uh, the psychiatric ward. Like, I mean, it's like he does the neck pinch in like such a quick... Like, it's just doom, boom, boom. He's not really doing like a martial arts fight like Sonequa Martin Green would do, and I don't want him to do that because that's right. more of her thing than his thing. But it was more of, of in the the same tradition of the original series, where where Spock wasn't really much of a a fist fighter. He would he would do like the the precise nerve pinch every now and then. He would have to do like the right double fist punch, the the greatest <laughs> in Star Trek history, the most powerful uh, combo. <laughs> Star Trek was like a Street Fighter type fighting video game. Does that It'd move like, have a name in wrestling or anything like that? Is that like something that it's like two-handed punch? Yeah, uh, we call it the okay, double fist. Text yeah, double track. fist. Yeah. If you go back and watch some of our uh, <laughs> videos when me and Dave were captured by our mirror universe doppelgangers, oh, I can't, I gotta uh, definitely go back to yeah, watch that. Uh, Dave actually does a double fist punch on mirror universe fathery. <laughs> It's in our opening, awesome. opening credit sequence that we use on our videos now. I'll check it out. I oh, I do know that, but like I'll check out the actual. I want to go back and look at the full thing. That's yeah, we cool. we escaped out of a, a agony booth. It's pretty pretty. <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't wait to go see that. That's that note. Audience, go to pause this video and go check it out uh, right away and uh, <laughs> come back. Now that you're back, uh, <laughs> you got to do that, right? Like, you got to that the audience actually did what you asked. <laughs> I'm assuming so they now always that do. Yeah. So now that you're back, audience, I think, uh, do you guys think it's safe to give uh, close out and give our ratings and final? 
Yeah, PJ, do you have anything else that you wanted to, to say? Or are, are we're, we giving our, are, we're giving our ratings now, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's okay, yeah. So what did, what did Sean give it, an 8? He gave it an 8. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10, just predictable Starfleet boy here. Okay, I'm going to meet... I love I love this episode <laughs> a lot, and I'm excited for the next one. Go on. I'm going to come down in the middle between you and Sean and give it a 9. Nice. I am also going to give it a high score, a seven. Yeah. A what seven? A seven. I so would have given it a higher score if, if if they only just. I was a lot of little nitpicky things like the visuals and the design choices I didn't appreciate. I like the the amount of information we got though. So I, I hated the uh, the shuttlecraft having a transporter was my nitpick, even though that doesn't explicitly violate any canon it's just i've always thought of tos shuttlecrafts as not having transporters i thought that was something that didn't come along until next generation time so that, that right. kind of bugged but other other than that i didn't have too many major complaints i, I was okay with some of the the visual changes um and yeah there's so much i loved in this episode that i i gotta give it give it a nine i like the previous episode so, a little bit more good a little bit more. So this average is out to uh, between, an, uh, I would say like between an 8.5 and a 9. So I'm going to, as the ruling party here, I'm just going to go ahead and bump it up to a 9. And so our very first 9 average. <laughs> I always bring your scores down. I know. Thank you. <laughs> it's probably fair. Your average, I mean. <laughs> but, it's, but, I get to, but the chair outranks the bad, PJ. <laughs> season three this is like kind of an an example of like what what would be par for the course in season three of discovery and now that we've kind of had the shakedown crews of the first two seasons of discovery what if we can expect this type of quality from things like the picard show and lower decks and section 31 and the next i just want to say i forgot i meant to say this earlier the next episode uh, is nine right so that's gonna yes. be di- that's gonna be directed by Jonathan Frakes and written by uh, Heather Paradise. Is it Michelle, not a- Michelle Paradise? Michelle Paradise. Michelle I keep calling Heather. It's gonna be a big episode. We- it's gonna be huge what? because they, have, they they bring back Frakes and the the writer of this episode got promoted to co showrunner. So there, there's gonna be some shit go down. Yeah. What is the final count of this season? It's gonna be thirteen episodes. Fourteen. There's there's six 14. more. Okay, so we're getting towards the. The final kind of like the home stretch is not yet here, but it's getting there, so that's cool. PJ, I think I think you might also know this, but uh, Michelle Paradise is also supposedly uh, written the last two episodes of the season. Oh, I never heard that. Okay. I, I I looked back. I I learned that she was at, she started uh, her involvement in the show back in episode four. I thought it was like much later. You look back at oh, the credits, gotcha. she appears after episode it's three. Like post production stuff though. Oh yeah, yeah, but her yeah, her role has definitely grown throughout the season, apparently. Yeah, I mean like she's co showrunner now, so Yeah, and uh with this episode coming up, we're gonna really get to see what what she's all about. They said that she's very well versed in Star Trek lore, but I feel like they say that about every writer they hire. So. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, I, I'm definitely excited about checking out what, what she can bring to the table because they, they've definitely hyped her up. And yeah, um, I believe she's also writing the last two episodes of the season. 
And I think at least one of those, maybe both of them, are directed by... I have a hard time with his name, but um, it begins with the O. Point like, of Light. He directed Point of Light. Yeah, like Olan Tunde Osomni. Or, I, I'm probably saying it wrong, but something like that. Well, I mean, he's kind of like an interview script, right? He's he's one of the yeah the exactly on the show, and he's kind of like like he's like the main director. He's kind of like the 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 producer right. of directors. So I think that they're building up to a big kind of two part season finale. Um, and maybe that'll finally be when we have uh, a battle between section 31 and the discovery or something like that. You know, they, they haven't really shot any phasers or torpedoes at anything all season long, other than they shot a torpedo at um, Spock's shuttle when Giorgio was on it. Other than that, the discovery hasn't really done like any violence. I think that, like, I have to say that I think that it was violence from season one, so I'm really enjoying that it's a lot more exposition. And I do think that when they do, like, restrain themselves, scenes that in that scene that you referenced in particular with the shuttle was awesome. Like, it's just so tactically, like, it seemed really, like, it was just a very cool kind of display of force and stuff. And, and after all, Discovery's vessel, it shouldn't be armed to the teeth like the uh, other ship's. Another war, ship might be a in season one. That's right. But yeah, I think right. I think it was intentionally trying to back off of the violence after season one. So now if they're much if they're building up to like a big confrontation, it's going to feel so much more powerful because it's I not agree. something they're doing week to week. It, it's Georgia is definitely gonna kill uh, Leland. That's gonna happen. Well, she's gunning yeah. for his job, so he's trying to get. <laughs> well, yeah, fired. And, but then, but he seems to be a he's a mixed bag because, like, if he parents' death, like that's gonna be an interesting reveal when Burnham finds out about it. She's gonna go batshit crazy and like you know try to murder him herself. Well, lots of lots of interesting things to to see how they you know come to play. And like this episode, I don't think we talked about it in our discussion, but like they basically meant the 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 admirals say like burnham has committed treason again <laughs> like they're like you know so she's already like she's already like uh, kind of on the on the radar again to to like lose her rank so it's kind of like an interesting thing to lay out but i am i am excited and interested the well they're Gentlemen, all they're all on you... the run now they're, they've all committed treason yeah. by the end of the episode they've all agreed to mutiny that's a star trek tradition though like sometimes you gotta <laughs> hijack the enterprise and go save spock you hell with our orders <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a hell it's a hell with our orders uh anything to promote guys anything going on that you want to talk to my audience about our audience here sure you can follow me on twitter at tx trek and uh be sure to check out uh text trek on our youtube channel as well as our audio only podcast you can get all the information on that at uh text-trek.com Please, by all means, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash text-trek. Excellent. And PJ? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PJ's Channel 1 or on YouTube, Boatrek. That's boat, like a boat, and wreck, R-E-K. Which I love when, you fi- when I figured <laughs> that out finally. I was like, that's cool. <laughs> all right, excellent. Yeah. Um, uh, everyone can find Sean who was just on at Trek on the tube. And it's also Trek on the tube, uh, on Twitter and he'll be on a hiatus for five weeks, uh, <laughs> which will be cool. So what I like about that is we'll see more, uh, 
uh, of you guys, hopefully, on the next couple episodes. And oh, uh, we'll I'm going to try to be more organized. <laughs> we'll try to keep his seat warm while he's gone. <laughs> while he's gone. I'm also trying to get more organized to do these, like, your group discussions it's hard it's it's hard to coordinate when you're uh when you get a full-time job but i think i'm starting to get the hang of it so hopefully we'll see you guys on more in general and i appreciate your time and your thoughts because i got some insights that i didn't have before and uh even though i maintained my 10 rating <laughs> on this episode starfleet boys giving out a lot of 10s like they're just freebies here it's like um and long and prosper and we'll see you guys next time Later. Peace.